you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. David, football, football, David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now, here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes and Stitcher and NFL.com. Yeah, I tripped you up there, Black Guy, didn't I? We've now shut down the NFL.com slash SHEK page in favor of driving everything to the home page now so uh, please make a note of that much obliged we have much to kibitz about even though july is nigh a lot of people shut it down until training camps open up not here at the dave damashek football program we plow ahead and speaking of which we talk about running backs that uh, that plowed their way into our memories into history at NFL.com, I released a written version of my top 10 running backs of the Super Bowl era. So did Elliot Harrison, and so did Bucky Brooks. Speaking of whom, he is seated to my left and to the left as well of a guy all the way from London, England. He now serves as our resident Miami Dolphins fan. Here he is, everybody. It's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. Hello, handsome. How are you? I'm very well indeed, thank you, Dave. Very, very busy. Are you very busy? Very busy indeed. Because why? Because um, <laughs> they've. We just announced. See, when the NFL draft, Bucky gets a great heads up with the NFL draft. He knows that it's coming. You know, the date's set a year at least in advance. He knows he's got to research all the players. I just had the the information dropped on me just minutes ago that the supplemental draft, which is mm-hmm. kind of in the same way that Bucky, your is, Bucky's <laughs> one of the one of the five go to guys around the actual draft, the supplemental draft, sort of kind of all me, and uh, it's next Thursday. Yeah, it's like Joe Lenardi carved out a thing for himself right. as a bracketologist that ever <laughs> eight ten years ago. Handsome Hank, same way. You're. A, a supplemental draftologist. Exactly. And so, you know, for me, I've got to watch film of the four eligible guys, <laughs> um, really break it down, and uh, and and then um, put out a mock draft. So it's not – this is, you know, this is a tough one. <laughs> if, a mock well, draft I mean, you're, you're a – I know that you're a big uh, – you know, your, your work ethic is mm-hmm. second to none, and you really are big on breaking down tape, as you yep. say. So I'm not yep. going to hold your feet to the fire and uh, willy-nilly throw out predictions now. We'll look forward to the, your supplemental – your mock – supplemental draft at some point next week in the meantime you just heard his voice there at nfl.com along with his absolutely cockamamie ranking for his (laughs) running backs of the super bowl era he also has a better piece up there ranking the top 20 coordinators in the nfl we're going to dig into that in just a second but here he is it's bucky brooks what's the poop with you what's on guys i uh 
I can't believe you take me to task for my Did you think, list. but before you started typing, did you think about it, or did you just think, like, what are the, <laughs> what, uh, what 10 running backs can I name from the Super Bowl era? Yeah, just uh, I'll put them in whatever order, because that's how your list looks to me. No. Did you, did you read the verbiage? <laughs> I know you like to go back and you like to look. You and Elliot, I know y'all like to pop in VHS tapes of <laughs> 80s games and look back on yesteryear finally. No, I like but, to do that with the 70s. You know, but there, there are some running backs in the modern era that deserve recognition. I'm, Bucky, I'm more willing to go with that route. Bucky, you have sweetness number one. And I think, yes. I, you know, I'm surprised all three of us, me, you, and Elliot Harrison, and again, this is at NFL.com for uh-huh. perusal, and I encourage you, Nate, demand that you go and check it out so you can be a part of the conversation yourself. But NFL.com slash top RBs. Top RBs. Thank you, Handsome Hank. Walter Payton, I think, we, uh, Handsome, you, you do the programming for the homepage here. Why You should have found somebody else who disagreed with that. We needed well, one guy. Well, all three of us have Walter Payton at number one. Well, he's the best. Well, I mean, obviously, I agree, or I wouldn't have him at number one. But I think there are a lot of people out there that would make a case for Who? Barry Sanders. No, not over. Not over. I don't know if Walter Payton. Why no? Well, we agree. That's the point. I know I'm not going to argue on Walter Payton, but there are people out there who think Barry Sanders is best. We should have heard that opinion. Or maybe Emmett Smith. I don't think anybody buys no. that at this point. The further away we've gotten from his career, nobody tries to make a case. Well, Elliot. Hardcore Cowboys Elliot fan. tried to make a case. Yes, Elliot Did has he? the best line. Well, I thought, I thought, he, he, I thought he had him, he had him low. He had him at three. He had him Emmett at number three. Which was and his good. opening line, Bucky, goes like this. Emmett Smith. Some of my colleagues don't give Smith any respect. <laughs> <laughs> it's complete bull. <laughs> it's complete bull. That's what he wrote. That's a- Emmett <laughs> number three. He had um, Tony Dorsett on his list too. I had Tony Dorsett too. I had Tony Dorsett not but just you had on Tony my Dorsett list because at like four. you probably had a Tony Dorsett poster in your room when he was at Pitt. Like you really bought into the Pittsburgh first thing. football game I ever went to in my life was to see, see Tony Dorsett the see, senior run. Right, so nostalgia. I, you have a lot of personal connections with the old timers that you threw. In oh, your I didn't list. realize you had no connection with any of these. The old timers. <laughs> all the old timers, all like guys that were artifacts on your wall growing up. Like you, you really I embraced saw, it. I saw Tony Dorsett play with my own two eyes, and I'm I know. apologize. And so those childhood memories still are kind of carrying you on. They cloud your vision when it comes to looking at what others have been able to do when they put together their. Career. How do you figure? I have Ladanian Tomlinson at, at number the bottom. Eight. At number eight, that's pretty the, high up there. I mean, that's kind of disrespectful with what he accomplished. What about the juice, O.J. Simpson? Uh, you know, I thought long and hard about the juice. I did. I, I seriously considered the juice. But part of what I was thinking about, I wanted complete players. The only guy to me that's not complete on my list was Jerome Bettis in terms of not being able to make contributions in the passing game. Jerome if, Bettis over Earl Campbell? Where's your head, Bucky? He played longer. All right, great. He, he played longer. Durability, production, all that stuff matters. Like – I wanted guys that had a long, sustained level of dominance. That's why Curtis Martin is in the list. All right. Curtis Martin, I, the, the the issue isn't that you even put them on the list. It's that you have them and then so you, far up there. What, I, mean, I mean, well, my list Curtis was only – Curtis Martin is the My list only included 10. Your list had 10. That's right. Plus another 20, plus another five. Like, the list is 10. You know what so that's called? So if you only can get 10 in – I only want 10. I don't want to see the other names. I don't care what the guys outside the 10. That's why people close, around here call me honor, AD. Uh, that's why people honorable here. mention. I, I don't care My about nickname that. is AD all day. <laughs> that's what I do. I just keep on grinding. That's oh why. That's what God. I do. I, it's a top 10 with 30 names. But, well, Bucky, I really, you had Edge James on that. Did you see what Edwin James has done? Edge James seen, belong- of course I've seen what he did. Edwin James a- led the league in rushing two years. Like That's the thing. Like If we're talking about greatest running backs, at some point, don't they need to have crown achievements it, within single seasons? He led the league in rushing back-to-back years, had a knee injury, two years were subpar, came back, had back-to-back 1,500-yard seasons. In a so, year, so but in just, off, era- just off your top ten, Sean Alexander's probably, what, 12, 13, 14? No, because I, I know what Sean Alexander was, and I know how he benefited from playing behind Walter Jones and Steve Hutchinson. Like, he – No. But wait, but th- so you go Edge James. I mean, listen. I think Edge is a little bit slept upon. I think that I don't he's think great. He I think he gets respect. too much. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he gets he gets slept on as though he wasn't an all time great. He just happened to benefit from having Peyton Manning in front of him. Is uh, is is nonsense. But some, I mean, Jerome Bettis at number nine ahead of Earl Campbell. Justify you want to talk about deeds? 
in an era when running backs mattered more mm-hmm. to their team, Earl Campbell walked into in the door and immediately took a mediocre team to three straight playoff appearances. Okay, so if you're so high on Earl Campbell, how come you're not high on Terrell Davis? I am, except that Terrell Davis shuts it down more quickly than I. You know what? That's a great. You know, a, I mean, that's a, the same thing. So valid it's like point. Haley's comment, Gail Sears, all these guys. So they play seven years. Like I understand how hard it is to play, but we're talking about the best and 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 the greatest and and leaving a lasting legacy. Like, look, I respect what Earl Campbell did, but like I think he played seven years, and then he was really battered and beat up those last two years when he got to New Orleans. So. I'm talking about greatness, guys who did it over a long, sustained period of time. And, look, if you can ding me for one, I would say, like, Jerome Bettis is a guy that I grapple with because at the end he was a bit player, a part-time player. The story is probably better than the production, but – you want to talk about production, what's surprising is you start pouring through these, You certain assumptions that you make in your brain or that uh, that have gotten grooved into your brain over the years from hearing other people talk about it, and your own memories get warped a little bit. I'll tell you, Adrian Peterson's numbers, outside of it, I'm not, obviously you can't remove the 2,000-yard season, but if you take that one away, it's not like the numbers stack up with everybody else. I know he's on a sort of a trajectory he to led, have gotten there, but he led the league in rushing twice. All right, so a lot of the guys Seven, have this. we're no, talking no, no, about no, no, the best. Not, of the not Super Bowl a lot of era. those guys have. Some of the old timers that that you and Elliot fall in love with. Some of those guys didn't <laughs> walk away <laughs> I, with rushing titles. I, I fell in love with. Yeah, them. <laughs> like um, it made me feel funny. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know like, how to yeah, you, grapple with the emotions. <laughs> that they made the me emotions. Feel. Adrian Peterson, 1,700 yards in 2008. You talk about 2,000 yards coming off the ACL injury, the level of dominance that he sustained. Like, look at his average rushing yards per game. And then you think about the yards per attempt. All of that stuff factors into it. Like, we talk about Emmitt Smith, and you have Emmitt Smith. Emmitt averaged 4.2, 4.3 yards per carry. That's nice. Barry Sanders averaged five. Like, so if we're talking about really dominating and putting your imprint on it, like, that's – what I'm talking about with greatness. With Eric Dickerson, Eric Dickerson had three seasons in his first four years where he had over 1,800 yards when he entered the league. Like, that's something that's like, ooh, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Notable accomplishments. I hear you, and we'll, and we'll move on to the 21st century here in one second. But let me just address, <laughs> let me just address Tony Dorsett specifically for a, a moment here. Wait, he so you're is talking to him? Or you are addressing him being on the list? <laughs> I don't know. Both, maybe. If he's I, listening, I, I, I think Tony, Tony may be listening. Tony, if you're listening, this bit's for you. <laughs> Hopewell High. Uh, that's uh, the pride of Hopewell High. Mo Damashek's neck of the woods. Aliquippa and mm-hmm. Beaver Falls and all that. Um, Tony Dorsett, here's the thing, Bucky. Please, can I, pl- uh, I, I enough with both of you? Both of them are sitting in here. I invite them into Studio I, I 66. This, I have this assignment. And they both, do, to, and they both, do, to... they, they both sit here typing on their cell phone. I'm looking at your list. Oh, okay. All right. See, that's all that right. Okay. That's cool. That's respectful, Bucky. I'm doing the triplets tournament. All right. Well, yes, we've we got that coming up, college football yeah. version of the triplets. All right. Listen, let's, let's focus for one second. Tony Dorsett is on this list, and he's so far up there because in the Super Bowl era – there are very few individuals who have been more seminal to the trajectory of pro football than Tony Dorsett was back in 1977. Gil Brandt, the architect of those Cowboys teams, uh-huh. highway robbery. He robbed the Seahawks, who had the second pick. The Buccaneers had the first overall pick. This is the year after the Buccaneers went 0-14 and were an abysmal team. They choose USC's Ricky Bell over Tony Dorsett, the reigning he's Heisman my, champion. He's one of my childhood heroes, Ricky Bell. Is that right? Did yeah. you have a poster of him hanging on your wall? Uh, not quite like a poster, but I did make sure that I watched a lot of the Buccaneers. I don't understand. Because remember, Doug Williams, Jimmy Giles, yeah, Kevin House, them. Ricky Bell. I, I, I dug that. I like the swashbuckling part on the side. I was fascinated by the cream. Buccaneer Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he has his fancy chapeau tilted slightly askew. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not unlike you have your hat uh, today. <laughs> I don't understand. why do I, I get beaten up because I like people when I was a kid. You like Ricky Bell. That's why you I see Ricky that. Bell on my Bell? list. He He's not on my on list. list. I didn't put him on my list. <laughs> Tony Dorsett, my biggest contention with Tony Dorsett, I don't think he ever had a season where he even became close to touching 300 carries. Was, I mean, that's he the was, he was a scat back, back a, a part-time bit player. What's and the so, devil's a, a bit player? The the, the devil's advocate, player. the devil's a damage Whoa, he wasn't a part-time player. Who he, do you he think shared, he was behind? He shared the load. 
With who? Robert Newhouse? He Preston Pearson? All those guys? He, he didn't beat those guys out early in his career. They were rotating people oh, in the backfield. Oh, yeah. what? Come on. He I was a part of a rotation. Preston, because he was a slightly built guy, Tom Landry decided to not pound him. All of those guys on my list are bell cows. All right. All, so of, all of them he'll wait. So we're talking about the greatest. So that's what you the like, greatest. in other words. So I don't, I don't like want a role player. I don't want a role player touches. as a great guy. Like, I don't, I don't want. Like, that's like saying Tim Tebow is great if he's a role player. No, Tony Dorsett was a phenom player. when he got to the league. And had the Seahawks cha- uh, gra- drafted that, him, their trajectory would have been very different. Instead, they, it's they not, fall it's into the, the, It's not the NFL. It's not your piece. It's – but it matters, greatest. though, because Tony no, no, Dorsett, no. if he goes to the Seahawks, they're a completely he, he different didn't, team. Though. He played Instead, for the Cowboys. he goes to the Dallas Cowboys and extends their dynastic run, their pseudo-dynastic run, well into the 80s. He gets there in 77 and takes them into the early 80s. Otherwise, who knows what would have become of that team. He alters the the story of NFL history by his presence with the star on his hat instead of that weird bird thing up in uh, Seattle. That's a, that, it's a, it's a major difference, and... Along with Walter Payton, as I write in my piece, they're, they're both trailblazers in that they caught passes. Very few running backs in that era were used as pass catchers. Tony Dorsett was very productive in the passing game. If not for Tony Dorsett, there's no Marshall Falk. Maybe. Marshall Falk, 1,000 and 1,000. 1,000 rushing, 1,000 receiving. You talk about four times he had 2,000-plus scrimmage yards. I mean, like. We're talking about notable – Different era, and I have Marshall Falk on my list. Yeah, you, Very high up there, I, I too. Mean, so, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who I'm supposed to take out. Who's supposed to be – I just told you who you're supposed list. to take out. You who? can't have – Jerome, Jerome Bettis. Okay, take him out. I'll put Thurman Thomas in. Well, Earl Campbell belongs. No, he doesn't. All right. Listen, let's move on now. But, yes, hands. I want to just say one thing. Do you think if Al Davis wasn't a wacko for a, for a period of time that Marcus Allen might have made that might have made your top tens? He basically got shut out of that right. Marcus Allen gets they, pretty close in my book as it is. I have Marcus I Allen at number 12 all time or in Super Bowl era. Another guy like Childhood Hebrew I had an opportunity to play with him in Kansas City. Like, uh, he's a guy I – mean, the irony of Bucky Brooks charging me with having, well, these are your boyhood idols, and then you citing, well, he's a boyhood idol. That's why I have He was. But, but I have the ability to, to, to move Bucky beyond. Got to play so do him. I. Do, do I have Jerome Bettis up there? Do I have Franco Harris at um, number two? You know what? Uh, full disclosure. I absolutely expected to click on your list and see Franco Harris, Harris. and Jerome Bettis. <laughs> so I was shocked that I was the only one that had I Jerome Bettis. Amos, I, I was Amos like, like for sure. As a grown-up, sure, I'm able to distinguish. For sure, Franco Harris was going to be on the right. list. Why I, have to, why I always have to point this out. Listen, but he I am did a make grown-up. Number 11. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he I, I mean, on the list he's of 10. He's not quite on the list. On the list of 10, he's Wait, the guy, the guy who retired <laughs> is the second leading rusher in history? The guy, the guy who always who, ran out of bounds? The guy? Yeah, wait. That guy? I guess he – I mean, the – the, he's the I guess old he, version of Sean Alexander. He stayed on the field long enough to to take home four rings. So I guess he was on the field a he little did bit because the defense did everything. I think, yeah, he just he just was a passenger for the ride. That's right. The and he got lucky. He was on that uh, on that team that had. A he good and Sean team. Alexander, <laughs> carbon copies. That's not a bad compare. Actually, when you do the, the pigskin doppelganger, both of them knew where the sideline was at all times. All right, listen. That's I mean that's an outrage. As a that, as, as, like, later in his career, as he George figured Atkins, out how to as, preserve his career. As the Raider Grace, they would tell you he would find he would find a soft spot near the boundary. Speaking of soft spots, that's what they were looking at, <laughs> namely his butt, his soft <laughs> butt running away from them into the end zone. And on I'm just telling team. you what the guys would tell me. Goodbye, Raider. Well, I don't, what do I care with George Atkinson, who was bitter that his team, a great Raider, his team got beaten up by the Steelers. But then they beat when the those Steelers. two great '70s rivals met. I'm sorry to George Atkinson and Jack Tatum and all the rest that they couldn't stack up ultimately with the mighty Pittsburgh Steelers. Except, interesting that you would bring that up, Bucky, because in 1976, or uh, 70, yeah, 76, Super Bowl 11. The Steelers had their greatest team ever, their greatest defense at least, but Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer both injured before the AFC title game. Neither could play in the game. And they got That's beat up. By the Raiders. Beat up. 
Well, but if 32 is on they the field uh, if, wearing the white jersey in the East up. Bay, perhaps 32 takes them across the goal line and onto another Super Bowl. I don't think so. All right. Well, now, see, now, now we're just speculating, aren't we? <laughs> we are. All right. Let, let's, let's speculate about some other stuff. Where to go here? Do you want to talk coaches right now? Do I, what Handsome Hank, I leave it to you. Spin the wheel. Oh, really? Okay. Spin the wheel. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I want about? to talk about coaches. Bucky put out a good list or two or maybe even three, three lists last three. week. Three. I want, maybe, Big I'm going to call it two and a half, Bucky, because basically number three was was, was, a was one and two together. <laughs> By the way, I invented lists. So now everybody else, all the Johnny Come Lately's doing their lists a lot with of lists. everything. A lot of lists. Dan Mashek was doing lists when it wasn't cool, and I'm yeah. still doing it now that it's still not cool. Hey, uh, Handsome, do you want to talk about Bucky's coaches? Mm-hmm. Here's the other choice for you. Do you want to play the game of ifs? I said to Bucky as we walked into the studio today, they're ifs. This is the time for to ask the ifs. ifs. If this happens, the, I don't know, the Miami Dolphins will win the AFC East. If that happens, the AF, the, the Miami Dolphins will finish last in the AFC East. Do you like that game? It sounds like a cool game. I mean, I I, I, I did like Bucky's list, but. I We're going to get like, to that as well. I feel like I'm being steered here. Black yeah, t- let's play ifs. Do you want to play ifs yeah, or do you want to play, play the coaches draft? No, well. I said coaches, but you you seem to be steering. I'm me just in. giving you. I want you to have all the information before you make a choice. What would you like me to do? I don't know. Or three, would you like uh, to watch the Caitlyn Jenner special that's coming up? <laughs> I saw a commercial for not that. Three. I don't know how to feel about that. Not, I don't know what to think three. about it. Are you going to watch that? No, I didn't know anything about it until now. I have no interest. I just saw in, a commercial. I never knew who um, she was. Is that true? Yeah, before I got to America, I would never... Who was the great British sprinter? Um, there's a guy uh, called Linford Christie. Linford Christie. Yeah. yeah I remember watching I remember him. him, too. He could move. He should have tried out for the NFL. He was big, He was tall guy, wasn't he? Wasn't he, he was like 6'3 or so? That truck thing doesn't always work out. I know yeah. it doesn't always work guy, out, actually, Bucky, but more guys should. Why, of all the guys, wouldn't Usain Bolt make sense to try that? It depends on some. So, you know what? Level, we we had a guy tough. in NFL Europe called Dwayne Chambers, who was like the the Linford, next Linford Christie British sprinter, very fast. Didn't didn't really like getting hit. Turns out turns out um, sprinters don't get hit that much, and when they do, they d- would rather sprint. Hard, it's, it's a hard mix because it, it, there's a there's a perception with track guys. I ran track in college, but a lot of times you have to fight through those stereotypes that track guys aren't tough. Mm-hmm. And so you have to find guys who are really football players that run track. There have been some great guys in the league that are playing in the league today that have some notable track and field accomplishments. We just saw Marquise Goodwin pop to 27.5 and a half at the U.S. Track and Field Championships, which was fourth place, and he hadn't it's jumped triple in three jump years. Thing. Is that – I don't care, triple jump. That's the weirdest looking. Long, that's long jump. Triple jump is like – Oh, really? The triple oh, yeah. jump is the goofiest looking. Yeah. Who came up with that, that that's an event that we need yeah. to see like, who can do that best? It feels like someone's like falling over doing yeah. the long jump. And was you like, can no, frog, no, I meant to do that. You can frog hop the bat. Who can, well, I don't care. It's, it's not, we need to give away a full medal for that? That seems like <laughs> a lot. A full medal. Yeah, there's some Maybe give one of those chocolate money things. Also, I'm against these people when I drive around these days. I see more and more of those stickers, bumper stickers in front of me that have the 13.1 on them. Now, if you have the 26.2, I think the <laughs> arbitrary distance that is the marathon, if you run it, good for you. If you feel that this is uh, life-affirming or whatever and makes you feel special, good for you. I don't really see... The, the the you know the merit in devoting a year of your life to see if you can run 26.2 which is again an arbitrary number it's the distance between Athens and uh and Marathon Greece did you know that Hannah? I did know that I yeah. figured you would know that because you're a euro but um I bet euro. some that's <laughs> is that offensive to you yeah a little bit but it's fine carry on it's offensive to call you a euro that's what you named your money I didn't know they're called pounds again showing your ignorance carry on Handsome and I are going to a baseball game. I know. Game. Handsome and I are going to uh, uh, to see the American pastime on Friday, the day before we who, celebrate who, who our nations. The uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Versus. Trolley Dodgers versus the Mets. The Metropolitan. The Amazings. Yeah, how about that? The Amazing. That's yeah. pretty good. The day before we celebrate the birth of our nation and the crushing of ha- of Handsome's. It's yeah, gonna look, be, I'm thrilled for you guys. It's going to be a lot of mixed emotions. You got your independence, whatever it is, 200 years ago, and, and so far you're using it well. Let's is see that, how that bu- carries on going. Bucky, is the, is the getting hit thing the most ba- – I know it's a, obviously a requirement, but is that the most basic, important 
uh, trait that a guy can have more than speed, more than size. I mean, you, have to, you have to be courageous because it's it's not a mind. I mean, you know, we we get so caught up in this banging heads thing and don't go helmet down. But at its most basic, that if if you like, ah, hey, I don't want you hitting me when I'm doing that. You, it's a not <laughs> <laughs> trumps all else. That's not gonna work. Yeah, it, uh, like courage. I would. I wish that everyone could just watch a game from field level, like stand on the sideline and really see how fast and how violent the game is. I know in TV, um, HDTV and the sound, and we hear the audio and stuff like that, but watching it field level, uh, shortly after I retired, I remember watching a game field level, and I was like, this is nuts. Like how fast it is, (laughs) how violent it is. Like you're conditioned as a player where you're not really – you just kind of block it out and you play. But, like, when you come out of it, you like this. Like, you actually run up in there and take, like, grown men knocking you around willingly. Like, it's – you have to be a little out of it, a little kooky to be on the field and kind of play that. And so – I agree with that. When you talk about wide receivers and guys going across the middle and doing uh, those those daredevil things like returning punts and returning kicks, yeah, you have to have a level of toughness that's a little different than – most people will exude. On Who's the, the greatest guy who didn't like contact? Deion Sanders? I, I think that's a misnomer. I think with Deion, Deion talked about making business decisions or whatever. Like, I played with a guy, Eugene Robinson, who talked about you have to know when and where you can make big hits because if you want to play for a long time, you have to selectively dole out those big hits. I think with Deion, he made that decision. I think, you know, y'all has brought up Sean Alexander. Sean Alexander was not a guy who really loved a lot of contact. As, as great as he was, what I will say, he's a guy who loved the lights. If we played on Sunday night, Monday night football, or anything where the national crowd was going to see him, he's going to bring his best games. But any other time, you're hit or miss on what kind of tough guy you would get from Sean Alexander. He liked to perform when the stage was big, but I can't say that he absolutely loved the contact and loved grinding it out like some of the guys that we've seen. You talk about Earl Campbell. Guys who love contact end up like Earl Campbell. It's tough. It's a tough game. You're dealing with grown men coming it's, fast. It's another thing I mentioned in the, in my uh, top ten guys is the one of sports uh, contact sports enduring ironies is that the biggest guy is the one who gets beaten up the most because you know obviously multiple people are banging at him to try and take him down and that uh, like I say pervades all the contact sports you've seen it even with basketball players Shaq, so you watch, Shaq get gets up. gets hammered out nobody nobody feels bad for the for the big guy that's no exactly empathy. right all right so what it, so we decided coaches or I no or I'm going to go with if ifs all right then well, let's let black tie behind the glass decide it for us choose a division anything but the AFC East cuz the last podcast we spent on the AFC yeah. East Go ahead, Black. And I choose coaches because we've been teasing that for only like a week. We're getting to the coaches. We're yeah. doing ifs now. Don't be a difficult person I'm behind not the glass. Difficult. We just we have a limited amount of time. All right, please. All right, let's go with uh, let's go with the NFC South. NFC South, yeah. interesting choice and a fascinating division coming. Black, in hold on, Black Tie. You got. I can tell you've been in that Atlanta because that South sounded like it had an F at the end. NFC South. King of the South. <laughs> so I can tell you've been in Atlanta. You know, we look, the King of the South. Yeah, yeah I got it. Black I got it, though. He's, hey, look, Waffle House and all that down there. Hey, Black Tie doesn't hey. know what's going to happen to his uh, <laughs> hero, Chris Paul, though, if DeAndre Jordan leaves. He's nervous about that. Let's oh, because DeAndre Jordan's going to be a Laker? I think he's going to be a Nick. Oh, why would he go to the Knicks? (laughs) He wants an expanded role. He wants the bright lights. Why would you go to the Lakers? So so unsettled there. You don't know what's going to be with that. By the way, they still might deal uh, D'Angelo Russell. Don't be surprised. Damashek says it now. It could still come to pass. If if, if Boogie Cousins is is the bait, then they will give away D'Angelo Russell in order to get Boogie Cousins, and that would be the right move. All right, we're going to play if now. Here we go. NFC South, Bucky Brooks. The Carolina Panthers will win the NFC South if their offensive line protects Cam Newton and they allow him to become a playmaker from the pocket. If their offensive line protects, they're good enough now on the outside. Devin Funches, Kelvin Benjamin, Greg Olson, have Jonathan Stewart behind them. They can be a dynamic offense, but it all starts up front. If they can control the trenches, they'll win the NFC South. Handsome Hank, how say you? I th- I, I would agree with that, but I got an if. Um, for for another team in the NFC South. All right, I'm I'm excited to hear it. Let oh, okay. me give you mine. I would like to see for once Jonathan Stewart stay healthy. He's a guy who, when on the field, almost always is super productive, and yet 
he's 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 not somebody you even consider when you start talking about the effect of running backs in the NFL because I mean more than anybody more than Darren McFadden more than even D'Angelo Williams who his old teammate he cannot stay on the field this guy but it, when he's out there he would if he does that team is getting pretty close to not having a lot of chinks in the armor I mean the offensive line as you say Buck is a question. It's not terrible or it's not as bad as it looked a year ago. And, you know, now that with, with Funches now and, the, you know, Olsen is effective, obviously, and Benjamin in year two. The defense is very good, even if you don't know a lot of the names on the back end. They're good at all three levels. I, I More and more I'm thinking they're going to repeat in that division for the third straight time. But real quick, they finish in last place if. And let's leave injuries out of Cam Newton. Is there any – I mean, like, if, too easy to just say the starting QB goes down. I mean, I think it goes back to the offensive line. They they finish in last if that offensive line completely falls apart, like it's shown signs of doing. Last year it struggled, uh, which is why they were really behind the eight ball going down the stretch. But if that offensive line doesn't come together, because they still haven't determined who their starting offensive tackles are going to be and if you can trust those guys. If they don't get productive play outside, they will not repeat in the division. They could end up being cellar dwellers. Yeah, it's interesting because in that division, you look at all four of those teams and you can sort of see how each could win it, and I include the Buccaneers in that because Jameis Winston. I I, I give him the – the uh, you know that X factor, whatever you want to call. It. I think he could be at, he could be good enough to actually carry them to that division crown. Handsome, what's the team you wanted to, to have a big if on? I'd like to talk about the Atlanta Falcons. All right, and I'm going to say if Dan Quinn can give them the toughness that Mike Smith failed to do last year, especially on defense. Captain Tiva, with, exactly. With all the talent that they have on offense, the Atlanta Falcons can uh, win that division. How say you, Bucky Brooks? Uh, if the offense plays the right way, the Atlanta Falcons can win the division. Tell us what the right way is. The right way is if they steal a page out of the Dallas Cowboys blueprint where they run the football, shorten the game. Do they have the pieces to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Because when you look at Kyle Shanahan coming over, you have a couple of zone runners and Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, the rookie coming out of Indiana. Zone-based blocking scheme allows those guys to find creases. They have athletic offensive linemen. You question how good that offensive line is. But if they can get on tracks and allow those guys to run the football effectively, Matt Ryan is outstanding throwing the ball down the field off play action. I think with Roddy White and Julio Jones and a strong running game, the Atlanta Falcons can win by allowing their offense to be their best defense. Tell me this, and both of you can uh, chime in on this. Why the Falcons uh, of three years ago – was that the mirage or the last couple of years the mirage? Because it's weird that they got within a play of going to a Super Bowl. And, I mean, there's nothing that would – I mean, it almost seems weird in hindsight of how good that team was. I mean, they they knocked off the Seahawks, the mighty Seahawks on the rise, and then they knocked that – and then they almost took down that great 49ers defense. Uh, they were a good team. Uh, they had young weapons on the outside, Julio Jones, Roddy White. Matt Ryan played at an outstanding level. Uh, they had some balance in the running game. But the thing that really killed them the last couple of years, they've been beat up up front, offensive line, and they didn't have the running game. When you have a running game, it allows you to create the identity that you need to play playoff football. You have to be physical. You have to be rugged. And to do that, you have to be able to run the ball when you decide that you need to run the football. And for the Atlanta Falcons, I believe they're more of a finesse team, a team that had to rely on the passing game, and they just didn't have that requisite toughness that you need to deal with the Seahawks and the 49ers and some of the bullies that exist in the NFC. To Handsome's point, is that it can Gus Bradley, We, we I guess we sort of saw that happen with Rex Ryan. Can a guy walk into the room who's not going to be playing? Talking about Dan Quinn, yeah. And, say, and just say like, hey, guys, because we saw Mike Smith try it and, uh, and we laughed and laughed uh, watching Hard Knocks with Mike Smith and his Tevas trying to swear at his team to inspire them. It was laughable. But can a guy who's got the pelts on the wall of a rugged defense and all that, can Dan Quinn walk in and just say, we're, we're playing tough and the team listens? Well, I think the thing is, whatever the coach is, whoever the coach is, he has to be authentic. If that's your personality, that personality has to be ingrained in you. It has to be who you are on a daily basis. For Mike Smith, the thing that Mike Smith can't do is you can't change after four or five years in the building and Jen try to be something that you're not. 
toughness and all that other stuff can be taught. But really it's about a style of play. So when Dan Quinn comes in, one, all ears perk up because now he's the new sheriff in town. He has the ability to get rid of a number of players. So they're more likely to fall in line. But he comes from Seattle. If you look at what Seattle has done and how they've kind of created that monster up in the Pacific Northwest, they run the football. They play very physical on defense at every turn, and they challenge and create a very competitive environment. He's going to take that and try and put that in in Atlanta. If those guys buy in, they absolutely can do it. They have to find a way to stop the run on first down on defense and then find someone who can get after the passer. That has been their biggest issue since they let John Abraham go. If they can do that, they have an opportunity to get right back to being at the top of the division. All right, we have two more teams. Let's get through them uh, quickly here, and then we'll do the uh, the coaches' draft here, the long promised one. The we'll jump to the Buccaneers. Anybody want to jump in with an if? They hear, here's how they finish in last place or in first place. I'll offer up this. I've said that I think Jameis is going to be a day one star in the NFL, and I think he's got the weapons on the outside. We'll see what happens with Vincent Jackson there. But either way, they have the pass catchers. Individual pieces, at least, it's almost baffling how the defense could be as crummy as it, as it is when you look Gerald McCoy at the first level, Levante David at the second. Yes. And, you know, Werner back there, by all accounts of people who study him, say he was terrible last year, but he's got the pedigree, at least, or he's got the history that suggests he can be all right. I think they have enough defense to hang around in a in a mediocre division. If Doug Martin or Sims or somebody with that offensive line – can at least stave off, give them some threat on the ground. I think that team can absolutely win the division in Lovey Smith's second uh, season. How say you? I, well, I think it, I think it comes down to definitely having the running game. There's no doubt about that. But I think the big if is is um, you know at the quarterback position. You have to have a rookie season like a Cam Newton one or an Andrew Luck one. I don't think you can throw a bunch of picks. Yeah, I, well, Jameis just like there's no there. I I don't think he can go in there and and that team's not going to recover from him turning the ball over a lot. Well, I when I I I um I don't know about the the Cam Newton RG three comparisons because Jameis isn't going to run around. But can he do what Matt Ryan did in his first season in Atlanta, Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh? I know the pieces aren't the same, the situations aren't the same, but that's who he's going to be. He's just going to have to put up big numbers throwing deep balls to those big receivers that he's got there. I think he can do that from day one. That's well, I think it all comes down to what Dirk Cutter discovers very early in training camp and in the process. Like The thing that I like about Cutter is he's very adaptable in his style and how he calls the game. When he was in Jacksonville, he had David Garrard. They were very conservative. They ran the ball with Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones-Drew. They averaged, I want to say, well over 136 rushing yards per game during his time there. When he goes to Atlanta – they open it up more. Matt Ryan sets franchise records for passing yards and, and does a lot of great things putting the ball through the air. I think it's really critical early that he understands what he has at his disposal in Jameis Winston and caters the game plan to that. I think Jameis has to make sure that the only thing he has to do is just don't turn it over. Keep the turnovers to a minimum. And it's hard for a young quarterback to understand that, particularly one that has a lot of confidence and self-belief. But if he can manage the turnovers and just play like he's always played on the big stage – I think Tampa's offense is good enough to get him there. The big thing will be, can Lovey get that defense to kind of play at a level that allows them to hang with the heavyweights? Yeah, dominance isn't required in that division defensively, although the Panthers have had the best defense. Yeah, the like, and, they've won the, and the pieces are, are in place for Tampa yeah. to be able to play really good defense, but it won't be in the Tampa 2 style that we've kind of tagged with Lovey. They have to kind of deviate from that because Tampa 2 no longer is effective with the quick rhythm passing game. But I know, but you, if it's named after your town that, that you're playing in, it seems wrong to abandon the Tampa. Uh, you you can... should just be required to play in perpetuity. <laughs> <laughs> Come up with the Tampa 3. Do something, but you can't get away from the one that And you know, it's actually Tampa 2 is actually the Steelers' steel curtain. I know. Where do you think I it mean, came from? Number 21, Tony Dungy out That's on right. the field I mean, there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Where do you think he came up with it? Playing around with the, the all-time greats there. None of whom made my top 10 running backs list, by the way. I'll well, none of the Steelers' defensive <laughs> players made your top 10 running backs. That's exactly That's right. Incredible. All right, let's finish it off here with the Saints. The big if for them, handsome Hank, is what? Um, I think 
if they rediscover their form on offense, I think if if CJ Spiller can become what they what they missed when they lost Darren Sproles, then mm. I think that team could take off again. It's an interesting thought. I would I I lean more towards Brandon Cooks. Somebody and I, I've been saying this for two or three years now. Marcus Colston has the name at some point where he's getting into Pro Bowls and he does well in fantasy and people just well they have a good receiver Marcus Colston, but he really has he's not been down. He wasn't down productive. That offense three years ago was turned over to Jimmy Graham. Obviously is their primary target. He's got somebody has to catch the passes there. They're going to be a run-based team, but somebody's going to have think, to take I mean, off in, in the passes. And you're right, Brandon Cooks is going to be that guy, but you know, they where they've had success is when they've had guys like Pierre Thomas and all those guys who can do everything out of the backfield, and C.J. Spiller is basically that. Yeah. That, but more. Who doesn't have Why isn't Pierre Thomas on an NFL roster right now? Insane. I think he's so good. It makes no sense to me. Man, time, the, the running back position, he's played a long time in the league. And once you get to that 30 mark with a lot of carries, a lot of wear and tear, early on, it's tough to take a running back like that. When you get into the season, when you get into – because we love our young players. We, as scouts and evaluators, we love to believe that the guys we've drafted are pulled in, they're going to handle those roles. Pierre Thomas's phone will ring after two weeks into the preseason. Yeah, we, uh, after, we see, after we see guys play that first preseason game, you're like, uh, I'm a little nervous about my young guy being able to hold up and pass protection or do some things. That's when those vets begin to get the phone calls. And at worst, once we get into the regular season week two or three, the phone will certainly ring because you want to have a vet that can come in and pick up the playbook real quickly. Any way you could give us a big if on how they could be the worst team, the Saints, in, the, in, the, in that division? Well, I'm going to go two things. Sean Payton wants to make the New Orleans Saints a tougher team. When the Saints were good and they made their Super Bowl run, a lot of people forget they rank sixth in rushing. They need to run the football, take some of the pressure off Drew Brees. Don't make it to Drew Brees' show offensively. C.J. Spiller gives them a complimentary player. They play alongside Mark Ingram. They now kind of have that, that yin and a yang, run inside with Ingram, outside with Spiller, use Spiller, much like they use Sproles in the passing game. That will help. The guy who was probably in Kansas City, we used to call this thing the big sombrero, Josh Hill is a guy that they're really banking on. Mm. Josh Hill is the tight end, very athletic, a guy that has tremendous athleticism. Part of the reason they felt good about moving, letting Jimmy Graham go, trade him away, because they felt like athletically this guy can do a lot of the same things. If he lives up to the hype, that offense is good enough, and that offense is good enough to carry him to the title. They fall to the seller if that defense continues to struggle like they struggled under Rob Ryan the last year or so. If they can't stop the run and hold up against those physical offenses that are in the South, they will not make it to the postseason. They will not finish higher than third in that division. Their defense has to carry the weight because they invested a lot. The four picks that they got from Jimmy Graham and all the trades that they made, they all were invested on defensive players. If those defensive players don't live up to expectation, they will not get out to sell it. Yeah, well, and like we've talked about, Drew Brees has to accept that and embrace that that's, uh, that's what he's got to do. By the way, I saw him the other day. He is really, like, he's got crazy receding hairline. It might be time for him to just go bald now, you know? <laughs> it's reached that stage. Like, you know, it's it's we, I must be troubling if you're his teammate. Like, yeah, but you're bald, man. You got, like, a – you got insurance salesman hair now. You know, like, <laughs> just go, you know, salvage the dignity that remains there and lose the rest of your hair. All right, let's get to it. So, there we go. The NFC South black tie. Did you like the big if game there? That was great, actually. Really good segment. Thank you. Really good segment. Actually, good segment. I like to do that for the rest of the divisions. All right. Well, good. So then we'll do it then. Okay. Black Tie liked it. So now let's get to our coach's draft here. What video? Yeah. Oh. Oh, look. He's really bought in. That's what. Division by division. All right. Then the big ifs. We'll Mm -hmm. do those uh, as we press on here through summertime. Right now, though, let's do the – Bucky has – his top 20 coordinators across the NFL, counting it down. Elimination chamber. What? The, all we hear about is that we have to get to the. We do. We do. But I feel like we should throw this out there. Marshawn Lynch recently jumped in a pool of Skittles. So I ask you uh, guys, favorite candies, Skittles, Kit Kat, Reese's Pieces, M&M's, eliminate one. What a terrible. That's the worst. Head of Everything about it is listed. the worst. <laughs> do you want me to start? Yes. I would eliminate all American chocolate. That I agree with. I would just completely. throw it all in an incinerator, melt it, burn it, whatever. Ah, just get rid of American chocolate. It's disgusting. Nah, it's not the high-end stuff. Willie Walk over there. Giardelli. Willie Walk over there. Dreams. <laughs> Man. 
Yeah. All right, Charlie Bucket, quiet now. <laughs> Giardelli chocolate, San Francisco. No, it's disgusting. It is not. Well, Does it wouldn't even but, like you call that high end chocolate. I, w- oh, yeah, I would call it, that wouldn't end. even make it. That wouldn't even make yeah. a list of top. Why? 100. Why is it so much better? By the way, uh, the Kit Kat they don't make chocolate with whatever it is that yeah. you make chocolate. Well, what do they do? I don't know. I don't know either. But I, I have no idea. I don't. I'm, I, all I know is what my taste buds tell me. Your chocolate's disgusting. Chocolate from outside <laughs> of the U.S. is terrific. I definitely like hearing you say chocolate more than. Chocolate. 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 No, I mean, sorry, I mean chocolate. Chocolate. I won't eat your American chocolate. All right, here, look at this. I really won't eat your American chocolate. I like this. Uh Uh-oh. See, Black Tie, I hope you're happy with your little elimination chamber there. That's right. Kit Kat is... No coaches. You don't eliminate... thing today. You can't eliminate uh, Kit Kats, by the way. Those are the best of... I like a Kit Kat, but I like a Kit Kat with with real chocolate on Who says Reese's Pieces when Reese's peanut butter cups exist? Why? Who who prefers the pieces to the peanut butter cup itself? That makes no sense. Is that what we're doing? Look who it is. He just walked through the door here. One of our very favorites. Back in here in spite of his purse. I like him very much. (laughs) Satchel. I didn't call it a Merce when Indiana Jones had it. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember the scene in uh, in the trilogy when he walked around with the uh, <laughs> what would you call it a Merce? A Merce, yeah. A Merce, yeah. Now listen, he's uh, a fashion forward fella, and uh, LionBlood.com is where you track down all of his fine apparel. It really is sharp, and you look good on the network. I watch you. In the, yeah. Now you've gotten plaid blazer now. Going with with plaid sports. over the summer, yeah. I like that very much. It's Nate Burleson, everybody. I didn't say his name. <laughs> <laughs> That's who it is. It's Nate Burleson. Who's the strong beard, by the way? My beard is yeah, strong? Oh, strong. thank you. See, that means a lot coming from another uh, fashionista like myself. Yes, Black Tie, you have something yet? Nate's here for all but five minutes. He has a lot of work to do. We wanted to hit on. He had his top five breakout wide receivers, so he did have him in here. And I, mean, I like how this – see, that's I, just, this is like how it, it works here. Nate's just walking oh, – he walks into 66. Stop him by. They said you need me. I'm coming, hands down. doesn't matter when and where. I told you, anytime no, 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 you want me not, on. I no, no, no. Let's through. try that again, Nate. I don't want it to feel like Dave needs you. It's, I want it to just be like, hey, we have an open-door policy. I love – nothing I like better. Like, I'm here at work. But my break <laughs> is to talk football no. with Dave and the fellas in 66. I want to come chop it up with you because I have a good time. And I get to be a little unfiltered here. And yes. I love to tell stories. And I get responses on social media every time I leave here. Is that right? They say, man, we need more stories from you. And I only tell stories here. What stories? We love Nate's stories. We love. Well, but you did come in and we want to promote on NFL.com. You did it earlier in the week on uh, on Total Access. You gave us your top five receivers uh, going. Is that how you gave no, they, it? They, they could break, break out. out. They could, could break out. out. Oh, these you know, are your breakouts. Do you know who number one was? Breakout wide receiver. You're not going to guess this. You won't won't guess this. You won't guess this. Who's going to break out? Who's going to break out? Who's going to break out? You haven't heard of him yet. You haven't heard of him yet. So so prepare yourself. You may not know who he is. It better not be the guy whose name I also saw in a poll as the best receiver in the NFL. I think it might be. 12 games into his career. It might be. I saw Calvin Johnson. Who's the best receiver in the NFL? Wide receiver. Is it Calvin Johnson, Des Bryant, Antonio Brown? Or Odell Beckham? Well, it like, can't be Odell Beckham. He hasn't even broken out yet. Apparently, there's no way he can be. The Odell best. Beckham's your breakout. Shh, he's a well, secret. Well, listen. <laughs> yeah, he's under the I, radar right see, now. I did it in more of a, a introspective way, a little bit deeper than oh, more surface, <laughs> more surface yeah. breakout guys. In the sense that he broke out last year, burst on the scene. All of a sudden, he's in. I broke say, him out of the wrapper of uh, my new Madden football game. Let's just say he's in people's top fifteen. <laughs> you know, this this guy has potential to have a great career. What I was saying, with all the factors of Eli getting to know him for another offseason, maybe a healthy Victor mm-hmm. Cruz, Shane Vereen, he could break out into being one of the best receivers in the league. Now going from mm-hmm. their top 15 to top three. So if he does that, that is another breakout. That means in year two, you're, you're up there mentioned with Antonio Brown and Calvin Johnson. You're telling me that's not another breakout? No, I, I hear you. So that's, that's the angle I was taking. You know, I, I didn't necessarily say it's a guy you don't know of. Is Odell Beckham, 10 years from now, is he easily from the 2014 class? And let's because people are very excited about this gang coming in this year as well. 10 years from now, who's the best receiver? Give me the top three receivers Oof. 10 years from now. Oh, wait. Who's going? To, you know what? Also, let's. In fact, I like I like raising the sta- the, the stakes even further here. Let's go around. Who of those receivers, Mike Evans, 
I'm at Martavis Bryant. Uh, you know, Martavis Bryant Calvin. has 28 catches. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a Stealer Buck. That's why. Come on, Bucky. You, you knew that was coming. I'm not out. allowed to say Martavis he's Bryant. He's about to say Sammy Coates name, next. <laughs> Sammy name, the second name you uttered. Martavis Bryant, not Sammy Watkins, not Brandon I'm not Brandon putting Coates. them in, in any order. That's what I'm saying to I mean, you. That, it just goes to show your fandom. My, fa- That's right. I don't hide the fact Martavis that I like Martavis Bryant a team. is the second name. What an outrage, Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> what an Do you outrage. Know, hey, Nate, Bucky did his top – well, I did mine too, and my list was right, the top ten running backs of the Super Bowl era. I, Bucky Brooks. This is great for the audience, by the way. Who who has already heard about this top ten list? Listen, well, now Nate needs to find out about right. this. This I, I, here's how big a homer I am. Bucky Brooks had as the eighth best running back of the Super Bowl era. Ninth. Jerome Bettis. Ninth. I don't care. Either way, Jerome Ninth. Bettis. He didn't put Earl Campbell on there. How say you? Mm. That's more ridiculous mm. than anything I've just said. Super Bowl <laughs> era. I, I like Earl Campbell. I'm an Earl Campbell fan. See, there you go. It's it's opinionated based though. Well, you know what? But my gut tells me it guides me. It's the it's the North Star for all football opinions. Now, Nate, who give me your opinion? Sammy Watkins, Calvin Benjamin. Did I say enough? You're people? talking about of the last two years, right? Yes. Who's okay. go, which which guy or guys are going to the Hall of Fame? Top three Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Smoke. That's I'm are raising we, the standard. Man. If this is the all time. Well, somebody gave okay, me the business. Somebody I'm gave ready. me the I'm business. Ready. I'm ready. Let's okay. do it. Let's do it. Somebody gave me the business on social media, and I said, "Well, the 2014 wide receiver class is the best of all time." They, just, they haven't done anything yet, and I said, "Well, I know. I'm, you know, speculating to some degree." But now we're speculating about guys so, who haven't even played in the NFL. So 2014 2015 and 2015. Well. That's right. Okay. Cool. That's right. Go ahead. I'm going with Odell Beckham Jr. Number one. Sammy Watkins, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, three. I'm going like to give you one rookie. You said out of Okay, yeah, that's great. I agree with Odell Beckham Jr. Okay. I agree with Amari Cooper. I think Amari Cooper is going to rip it up. Just watching what we've seen from him in Oakland, his route running has even improved from the time he left Alabama. Right. He is going to be a guy that right now comes in and plays. So those guys have success because they can run routes. The third guy, I'm going to say – Gosh, so, so many, right? Up. Yeah, so, so Mike Evans? Yeah, Mike Evans, nah, Kevin Benjamin. Is it more though? I don't like but those two guys because you like, want you want more of a route runner. It's hard for me to fall in love. It's hard for me to fall in love with a runner. big body guy because you have to have more to sustain it over the long haul. Because guys that are Hall of Famers, they have the ability to affect the game when their physical skills have started to deteriorate, mm. and so that becomes with solid skills. So I'm gonna say Sammy Watkins goes in into that class just because he has. Some ability, his speed, I think he would develop enough to kind of find a way to make his his way around the thing. You know what? This leads me to another thing. But, Nate, you were around Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson. You got to see them up close and personal and obviously plenty of other talented guys too. For a year one breakout, isn't it more you want a physical freak like Randy Moss and you do a precise route runner? Or is Amari Cooper destined for a day one breakout in Oakland in that situation with a young QB? He's destined for a day one breakout. Oh, really? If if you're comparing – you know, a big-time splash wide receiver that has the height and the weight and the playmaking ability, you want that for sure. You want that, Calvin Benjamin. You want a Mike Evans. But if you have a guy that can come in who's, what, 6'1", 6'2", um, decent weight, decent strength, but can run routes, I'm not saying he's Marvin Harrison, but mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison-esque, that's a guy that can go outside, inside, that's going to pick up the playbook fast. His amount of catches last year, 124 over 1,700 yards, like all that is going to translate to not huge success. Maybe he's not, you know, on the highlights every weekend, but solid production. That's eight to nine catches, you know, getting close to 100 yards every game, mm-hmm. moving the chains. Like you want a guy that's consistent. You want a guy that can help a young quarterback. And those are the guys that 10, 12 years from now we're still watching. They and play. They're still making so, plays. So what Nate is talking about is Amari Cooper was such an easy evaluation because when you turn on the tape, he played the game like a pro. Mm-hmm. I saw him in the slot. I saw him outside. I saw him run pro routes. I saw him run Dino routes. I saw him run stutter double comebacks. I saw him do things mm. that in the league, when you're a number one receiver, that's what they draw up for you. Right. You're so special that, look, you're going to run the Dino this week. You're going to double move. You're going to do all these things. Amari Cooper already comes into the league with the toolbox full. Oh. So if I'm the offensive coordinator, I can throw it all at him the first year and say, young fella, let's go get it. And they're going to build it around him. So I would expect him to have 80-plus catches this year because he's the focal point in Oakland. Like, most young guys don't get the opportunity to do that. And if they do get that, 
they don't have the skills. So he's a skilled player in an environment that will allow him to shine. I'm telling you, he's the best player they've drafted at wide receiver since Tim Brown, and he will have that kind of impact on what they do in Oakland. And, Buck, that's a great point. See, let me get back to something you said about the toolbox being full. People don't understand how important that is from an offensive coordinator standpoint, even from a wide receiver coaching standpoint. That's time that you don't need to waste on. Now you can go in there and focus on the little details. Whoever we're playing that week, instead of you teaching him how to run the Dino, you're saying, hey, we're going to focus the next two days on this particular quarterback. We're going to focus the next two days on Joe Hayden alone and trying to figure out ways to beat one of the elite cornerbacks. Instead of saying, hey, man, we got to spend Monday and Tuesday teaching you how to run this Dino route so we can hit you on the line when we're in the red zone. That's a big difference. That's when you're a really talking interesting about point. It's the difference between me being in pre-algebra when I was in uh, 10th grade, I think, and my <laughs> sister, who's a year younger than me, being in calculus in the grade below me. Some people so true. just so progress true. at a different rate. Yep. It, right, makes yep. them better. All right, hey, Nate, you got to run. Go do your total access. Sure, man. Your... Any more questions? I have a lot of questions. You got a the, story? The one I want to do is, the thing I really want to hear from you, but well, let's, let's not uh, do this right now, but I have long contended that we have that this pool of all-time wide receivers Super Bowl era at least let's if we did Super Bowl era wide receivers obviously Jerry Rice is number 1 but what's remarkable is that it's really hard to figure out who 2 3 4 and 5 I mean it's it is such a drop off the cliff once you get past the, the and the names that would be in contention would be Steve Largent Michael Irvin Randy Moss Calvin, Calvin Johnson I think oh don't throw T.O. out to build it. Oh, and T.O., that's yeah, a fair like, one. But, I mean, it, it's like, a pretty, it's a pretty big drop-off. You think, well, there's got to be an obvious answer. You know, if you start doing running backs, you go, well, is it Barry or is it Peyton or is it, you know. But it's it's kind of hard. You you think, like, well, there's got to be more. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, there's just not anybody more. I mean, James Lofton, an all-time great, but he's not in that conversation. Yeah. And he's in the top ten, certainly. That's a tough list. I couldn't even give you a – All right, we'll talk about it. I don't want to put you on the spot I today. I do got a quick story, though. All right. Okay, so training camp my second year in Minnesota. This is when Brock Lesnar left WWE and then came out of retirement. And, uh, you know, he's doing everything he needs to do to kind of fit in. And one day all the vets were hazing all the young guys, right? So I thought I was a young vet. I didn't really get it. I, I thought, you know, <laughs> once you finish your rookie year, you're a vet. But, no, you got to be in – three, four years established in mad respect from everybody. So they go attacking one of the rookie rookie wide receivers. So I try to step up like, all right, guys, that's enough. And he takes off running, the young wide receiver. Brock takes off after him, right? And I'm thinking, all right, let me step up in front of Brock, give him one of these hold-up bros. You know what I'm saying? He had enough. And I got in front of him, and he was like, hey, you either get out of the way or I'll put you out of the way. And at that point, (laughs) and it wasn't like a joking way. He was like, I'm about to destroy you. That's how he looked looked into my soul. And I had to realize, is this a moment where keeping it real goes wrong or do I just take this L? (laughs) And I took that L and walked my butt in the locker room and was like, hey, Rook. Yon, yon. <laughs> so, yeah, funny, that was we, a funny story. We were man. just talking about the importance of uh, of toughness coming into football. And, uh, you got to display the it. Teammates, yeah, the teammates. You got to know when to take the mails, though. We, you can we be see tough. what Nate just That's a business decision. That's what they call it. <laughs> Quick fun fact All right, about, the great uh, Nate. about Nate's second season. That was receiving-wise, stat-wise, his best season in the NFL. Over 1,000-plus receiving yards, nine touchdowns. You bowled out. What, what, was it Brock Lesnar that, you know? No, nah, it wasn't game? Brock. You know who it was? <laughs> it was uh, Randy Moss. Randy Moss tore his hamstring, and he came to me, was like, uh, we had a meeting, receiver meeting, and he kind of stuck around. And, and mind you, Randy was a man of very few words. He said, look, I'm going to be out six weeks. So you got six weeks to get everything you need to get, because when I come back, <laughs> tearing up the sleeve. And he was basically saying, you know, this is your time to shine. And, when, and what I did in that time, not only did I eat and – kind of make a name for myself I think that was the moment when I gained ultimate respect from Randy and he realized okay this guy's legitimate um he's a football player he loves the game but he's he's worthy of being my number two because that's a big deal like I, I appreciate the fact that yeah I had a couple opportunities to be a number one in this league but I relished in the spots where I was next to Calvin next to Randy and when he came back he looked at me different mm-hmm. than before he left it was almost like all right, you arrived, and you've proven that you can come out here and play opposite of me. And that meant more than anything. I, I didn't even realize that that 1,000 yards would carry me 
through an 11-year career and get me paid a couple times because everybody always referenced back to that, mm-hmm. whether I was healthy or not. Like, huh. he's capable of putting up a 1,000 yards. So you can put up a 1,000 yards in this league. You can get paid. You just got to stay healthy, shake the right hands, and never burn bridges. Yeah, it's funny. So, like, I know Nate has to go, but so when Nate was coming out of Nevada, I was just scouting. I was just beginning because you were in what draft class? Oh, 03. So, 03, that was like my second year in the league scouting. And his coach, DJ McCarthy, was a guy that yeah. was in the secondary uh, coaching when I was in Oakland. But I remember watching him. And so, what happens is, as we watch these young guys progress through, you see where they were as collegiate players. He played in Nevada, spread offense, was the man there, had a ton of catches, a ton of receptions. And so, in that scouting report, you talk about the production. He had a lot of production. He had a lot of exposure because he caught so many balls he will be able to easily assimilate into the pro game because he's run routes. He's done things. He's been asked to do things that you ask pro receivers. But the respect that he talks about, that's something as a scout I can't put down because I don't know how he's going to handle the lights when he's asked to be the guy in that room with Randy Moss. Can he earn his respect? Not because he came in as a second-round pick, but because when he's out and Randy's looking, can he deliver? That respect factor, when Nate talks about how important that is, we have this thing, players, game recognizes game. Mm, yeah. Guys respect when a guy plays because they understand how difficult and how challenging it is. And when he delivers in that moment, yeah. when you walk back in the huddle, Randy will look at you and be like, okay, I can trust him. One of the more interesting observations Thanks. of me milling around here for the last uh, handful of years around the NFL media is exactly is that dynamic is – you know, I would think, well, you're in the you play pro football. You're, you're the, the fraternity. You reach the highest level. But even within that, as you guys say, there's a hierarchy of you know the Hall of Famers. You know, they they're well. That guy's not in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the, the Hall of Famers. Well, but if it's, it's not. It's not. Of, but it's not all that though, because there's some Hall but, of. There's some Hall of Famers that we would say, like, yeah. No, I hear you, but but I yeah. but I can watch. <laughs> yeah. It's like high school, though. Really, I mean, it is the the clicks and stuff that people gravitate to certain levels, and certain guys don't. Sort of, you can you can feel the there's a vibe. I'm not disrespectful to a guy who was in the league for a while, but there are there's a faction of guys. that's like, yeah, I mean, he wasn't. Come on, I mean, he played for a few years, but yeah. he's not uh, he's not by my level. And you can feel that in interactions with guys who come to visit, uh, you know, our analysts. Not from either one of you, though. You're both delightful. Oh, well, I appreciate it. All right. Hit the bricks, Nate. You have to go. What a pleasure. Hey, so we got to do – You're talking with Buck, man. That dude got a wealth of knowledge. Oh, yeah. Wait a second. The talent Turk is here. Marcus Smith. Are you coming (laughs) in here with Mike and Ike's? (laughs) <laughs> Mike and Ike sent us a bunch of boxes of Mike and Ike off of Ike Taylor and Mike Adams' uh, memorable connection here at NFL Media. There goes the great Nate Burleson. We have a lot of work to do. I don't know if we're going to be able to do coach thing because I got I got to go. Let's do it quickly. I don't want I I I've, I've I, I, I got to go. Where do you have to go? Let's tease it. I got to go. I got to go pick up. I got to go pick up my my, my little my little daughter. She's getting out yeah. of the She doesn't mind waiting. Class. She knows you're. Oh, I got to go. We'll pick it up. Valley. We'll pick it up next episode. All right. She doesn't mind waiting. You, I got a picture of Bucky's daughter sitting on a sitting like she's on a stoop. Where's Daddy? She's on a stoop. She has trust yeah, issues for the rest of her life. You know what it's like because Dave, because Dave insisted because on Dave doing insisted the coach on draft. doing some coach's draft. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. We got the twenty seventh pick here, Bucky. This is important. <laughs> All right, but wait, we haven't gotten to Martavis Bryant yet. <laughs> oh. He's going to coach him to the Hall of Fame. No, all right. So Martavis Bryant, I, I like that. But right. like, here's here's what I can respect about it. It's not ridiculous it, that I, I would bring up his name as one of the guys. I mean, that's- I mean you're going to pick like a fourth round dude <laughs> over top of all the other guys that were picked ahead. I'm just saying. I didn't pick him saying. at all. I mean, pick him. <laughs> I listed him. So we got we got Odell Beckham, and then. Martavis Bryant. Bryant. He's the next That's name. That's it. He's the next name That's out of it. everyone's Whatever. mouth. That's what it. What a bit of ridiculous. Give me Chris Matthews of Seahawks over Martavis Bryant. Oh, I mean, please. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. Black guy who doesn't know his name once the, uh, once the guy who was pulled off the scrappy, <laughs> the CFL scrappy. <laughs> now, listen. All right, Bucky Brooks is going to go now. All right, someday we will do our coach draft here, but there goes Bucky Brooks to do his, uh, his uh, parental – D to be a pick. father. Yeah, apparently. All right, so I guess we'll wrap it up there, though. But we covered a lot of great uh, uh, great stuff here. Good stuff. Nate was terrific, right? It's always fun having Isn't Nate he there. delightful? He is delightful, yeah. Bucky Brooks less so. Whoa. Well, I mean, listen. 
You know what? You know, really How can I be a homer when I'm the you one telling him that Jerome Bettis doesn't belong ahead of Earl Campbell? Dave, How big a steal or homer could I be? In all seriousness, it's June the 30th today. I don't know if you know what that means, but it means I think we're like almost exactly to the day halfway through the year. All year long, you've been saying Bucky's, you know, in in line for that Guest of the Year award that you know uh-huh. I, I won one time. But Nate suddenly seems to have caught you, your eye. You know what? If we do, whether it's this week, you know, we should do that. That's a great idea, handsome. To round uh, out, idea? to round out the half the, year. the half year before we go to a baseball game. Maybe we should just sit down and we figure out the halfway point of 2015, What's how the Sheckies are looking, mm-hmm. you know? Let's uh, give everybody an update. Where are we on fruit? i tell you what, if you want, if on that front, you Where go, are out, we go out and get yourself a white peach today because those right now are It's fire. the season for the white peach. It's, it's been, it, it was dropped from the heavens into my refrigerator, and I pulled one out, and I ate it, and then I went straight up to cloud nine. Right, and got ten more. That's right. I mean, just I, I hear what you're what you're laying down there. You know what? Strawberries have been exceptional. In They've life. been good. I also discovered an entirely new fruit this week. They're calling it so um, a cherry and a plum go to a bar together. Chum. Plum. A cherry and a plum go to a bar together. A couple have a couple drinks, probably. You know, everyone gets a little loose. Go home. <laughs> the cherryum is born. Half plum, half cherry. If you like, I'm serious about this. If you, I've got them back downstairs, if you like cherries and you like plums and you like the idea of putting cherries and plums in your mouth at the same time, cherry. Um, I see. Well, I said chum because oh, a chum. I see, like a chum, which is nice because yeah. it's your pal. It's it's your 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 fruity a pal. Plary. A plary. But if it were a chum, chum already yeah. defines the fish you put on your on your hook to get bigger. Yes, and so that would be confusing. That would be confusing. Like, anyway, try a cherry. Um, all right, I'll do that. How are we? Uh, what, what are our other categories? Uh, egg preparations. I've been eating some delicious hard-boiled eggs have late you? that have been Good really very nice. Um, all right, yeah. Well, let's not jump you can in. Check in again. on it. I don't like jumping in willy-nilly. Um, so, all right. So we'll do that. I, Producer of the year for this show. <laughs> Tom Congratulations, Tai. Tommy Ty. You're looking good, fella. Way way out in the lead there. Can't be caught <laughs> at this stage. <laughs> All right. So All I'm going to say is I got Nate on the show today. What do you mean? He just showed up and walked through the door. No, no. That was a lot of hard work went into that. What do you mean a lot, a lot of, of hard messages, work? A lot of messages, a lot of walking up, upstairs and downstairs to make sure he gets in here. I, well, you know yeah. what? If that was your work, then let's do more of that because I love that. I want Michael Robinson – just out of the blue, what? Michael Robinson all the way out in Virginia? Yep, now he's up on the the uh, flat screen behind us, and we're kibitzing. The, the, the Czech Republic knows no borders, and uh, and the DDFP should follow that lead. We should just, you know, we have conversations to have. Come on through the door. Come into 66 and join us. Um, Handsome did it today. Thanks to Bucky Brooks for doing it. Nate Burleson. Black tie for the work. Congratulations to Tommy Tie on his half-season victory. Congratulations to me on nailing the top ten running backs of the Super Bowl era. Not like that nail. All right, we'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce later on. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. 
Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.